You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast. Welcome back, everybody! Besiktas International's The Black Eagles Podcast is back! I am, of course, Sinan Sporting, live from New York City, back again with another fun episode of your favorite podcast and mine. And today, we've got a special little treat for you guys for being such good followers and listeners and all that. Um, in addition to the Akman, who is back, coming in live from New York. How you doing, sir? Doing great. How are you? Okay, okay. Not bad. But so in addition to this fella, we've also got, and this is stunning news, everyone's favorite co-host, Conbaz! Sorry, Conbaz, I had to do it. <laughs> The true fan favorite, the undisputed champion of the people, not Evra, not this fallacy, this car artist, the Ackman, the plastic favorite of the people. No, no, the real deal. The, 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 the Coca-Cola, not that store brand brand that everyone is, uh, or, or, or what is it, Cola, Cola Turca, or, or maybe, maybe even... I was gonna say Pepsi, but you know some people actually like Pepsi, so not even Pepsi, but like the the cola from yeah. Aldi, the, the River store cola. brand cola. That's, that's you, store, I, Nothing I, like some store that's, brand cola. Uh, that's and uh, I'm Coca Cola. The, the brand, the self, the self-proclaimed Coke. <laughs> um, I can't. I, I got to give you a chance for a rebuttal, everyone. What do you? <laughs> I, I can't just move on from that. Um, what do you have to say, everyone? How, how do you feel about Khan's return? Right. Um, I mean, I guess he's more well known as kind of a fact. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not too hurt by it. I think <laughs> not really a combative person, but I think there might be one or two people out there who who do like me. Yes, your mom and your dad, but that doesn't count. <laughs> and his girlfriend, Khan, it's never good. Right, right, the lady right. Out his, there. his, his. Girlfriends, and of course you can't see this, but I'm like doing like the, the, the air, air quotes. quotes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Shouts to, to the missus out there. <laughs> I doubt she's listening to the Magic Touch podcast. Does she listen to the show, Evron? No. <laughs> Maybe nowadays, Evron, in, in the age of Corona, she might just want to hear your voice, man. So you never know. Probably not. <laughs> I'm guessing. Yeah. You have to hear a lot of a lot of nonsense. Uh, to hear it, I would imagine, for like a non-football fan. Anyway, we have a great episode. Uh, let me start it off by giving a shout-out to Frankie Jimenez, our, our, one of our favorite listeners who, who kind of got the ball rolling on this, suggesting we talk about our favorite matches of all time. 
and I felt I couldn't do the subject justice without inviting Khan back, because it's a big subject, and I think Khan tends to bring some good historical context, have it being in my oh. age bracket. Oh, don't go there. Uh, but, hey, hey. <laughs> um, what are you saying there? Watch your mouth, mister. Respect your elders. Yeah, come on, Akman. Kind of a, kind of a Turk are you? Yeah, exactly. Abilis. Abilis, yeah. <laughs> Abilis. Um, yeah, man. No, it's... Uh, it's good to have you back, Khan, and I think it'll be fun to, to sort of go over our history with you, sir. Cricket. <laughs> yeah, cricket. Like, I, I, was, I thought you'd take the mic there for, you know. Oh, yeah, no, I... I... <laughs> no, I was expecting everyone to come in and say, yeah, it's very nice to have you back, Khan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, come on. What do you expect formality from this guy? These kids these Push days. Kids, these happy. kids never learn. Uh, Disrespectful little runt. <laughs> I'm keeping this you know, all, all on. I'm matches. definitely not editing this. All, all, all his matches are just gonna be from like the last four years, I bet. <laughs> yes. You know, ever since he is like he became a conscious. Oh, sorry. Years. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Evron. <laughs> <laughs> We're picking on you here as the youngin. But let's just like let, rightfully so. Let's jump in. So obviously we have some fun news, but we're gonna push that to the end of the episode. Um, and there's some big transfer news, so do stick around. <laughs> See what I'm doing there, folks. Um, but yeah, what the main subject of this episode? It's gonna be a fun one. Is to talk history, All right, and, and and a sort of personal frame uh our favorite matches and obviously we'll talk about why they're our favorites and all that um but so everyone as the youngin i'm gonna give you like we'll go in in a in a sort of in a circle we'll pass it around pass the mic around and uh go one at a time so don't name all your favorite matches one name one right oh, yes. now everyone what's one of your favorites right. your second favorite so the one that I don't know, it doesn't have to be. I mean, the one that came to my mind was, uh, maybe it's not like the best game, but I was at the game, so it has like a special meaning for me. I guess it was a Champions League game, the only time we ever won a Champions League game at Vodafone Park. I think it was called Park back then. Uh, the Leipzig game, nice. where we won 2 0. Oh, uh, that's where Timo Werner was yeah. like, I can't handle yeah, the noise. He, the noise is too much for me. We whistled him off the field. <laughs> So I sat um, like behind the goal, like where they call all like the players over before the game, and all that. So it was, you know, it was a good atmosphere. And Quaresma cooked up, of course. You know, I can't forget that. Um, <laughs> you know, got to see Talishka, Pepe, Quaresma, which I think was like, a kind of a crazy experience to see that that much quality on the field. Oh man, yeah. For such fans, that was cherish it. You'll never see it again. Yeah, I know. We didn't realize it back then, but. Don't give. Yeah, that was about. That was peak. That was peak. Don't give Doric any ideas, you know, any delusions of grandeur, you know. That's good. No, I mean, I was gonna say, oh, don't give us the good game you went to. Nobody else cares about that. But it, it is actually a big one too. Being, uh, also saw Tulsi's run through the whole field and almost scored. So that was oh, <laughs> like right in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. No, that is a fairly significant match in a historical sense, especially. Going into the era that we're going into, I think, um, you know, 
we're probably not gonna reach those heights anytime soon. So that was definitely a kind of the high point of our heights even. Also the atmosphere was, I think, pretty great. And the lights went out, so we just kind of like partied basically while waiting for the game to restart. Nice. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a good time. You know, Cars had that assist. I had to, had to mention that again. Yeah, I, I mean, you. Well, what would a story be with at least three mentions? You're going to cut this out. Like, you know? <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just to make sure the people remember. Um, Khan, do, do you have any, any, recollection, any recollections on that match, uh, personally? Oh, that one. Um, uh, well, I, for me, that wasn't like one of the most important matches in that, that group stage. Um, the Monaco away game. Uh, the Porto away game, I think those two were absolutely. Uh, those are the, the the biggest moments I think in the in that campaign. Definitely, definitely the big results for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean we won all three away matches. That uh, that was uh, unprecedented for a Turkish club, of course. Uh, won the group, everything. So that, that entire campaign almost is kind of like it like melts together as one big happy memory, uh, surrounded yeah. by some uh, misery in the. Domestic campaign. <laughs> Shortly thereafter. I mean, and the reason I consider it like a high point of our heights uh, is because it was actually, yeah, it was actually a, a really good game kind of reputationally because of the team over and our thing and his complaints about all oh, the noise, right? Like that, that kind of gave us some buzz. And uh, the, the actually, exactly what you were talking about, everyone, where the lights went out and everyone used their phones to put light on the. Like that became a kind of fun, iconic image of like sort of positive fandom, right? And like to have our fans have become such a kind of negative presence like since then. Uh, so like really, that's also why I think I it, that was like the the exhaust of all of like the the, the fumes of our successes, the whole come to Besiktas campaign and everything. It was the fruits of it, right? We were really succeeding in Europe in a major way. Um, so yeah, good choice. I dig what you're doing there, Evron. I'll give you credit, youngin. Um, Khan, as our, as our, I don't even want to say guest, like you're the, you're the founder. Um, what, what do you think, man? What's, pick one of your faves. Well, you know what? I mean, I have two matches in my head and they go back um, a lot further. But there's one match in recent history that jumps out, and in particular for this little story I'm going to tell alongside it, it's the 3-3 against Benfica. And uh, at the time, I was doing uh, regular call-ins for, uh, because Besiktas were uh, in the Champions League, obviously, and whenever Besiktas are in the Champions League, uh, I do um, uh, like appearances on uh, FC Afrika, on... Uh, what are they on? They're on, they're on YouTube and they're on Fox Sports in, in the Netherlands. Uh, and they always ask me to, to you know, cover the Besiktas games in the Champions League and stuff like that. So at halftime, they called me in uh, and obviously I was like distraught. And I was like, yeah, it's 3-0, it's over, you know. Um, and I think the host, Neil Peterson, he said something along the lines. Oh, you never know, man. Uh, at the end, we'll see and we'll, maybe we'll call you back later. And I was like, yeah, sure. 
you know? <laughs> and of course, as soon as that final whistle went, you know, there they were calling me back. And, you know, that I, I literally went from, from hell to, to heaven in that moment. And that was a, that's a little special memory for me just because of that. It was, of course, a historical comeback in the Champions League, regardless of, of that uh, personal anecdote um fantastic game which showed uh also basically in a very positive light i think despite going three nil down at halftime i think having a, a comeback like that it it is memorable especially at the, at the grandest stage of the champions league against a reputable opponent as benfica so um yeah that that's a great memory for sure in recent history Not but to of course the Talisca, like narr- the whole storyline right with him being loaned from Benfica. That was uh, the, the the first match. Yeah, that he was the one. For the second one. match, yeah. This was the Abubakar one, the where he's in at a time. Yeah. Still, like the narrative of him being on the team and being loaned, right, and, and being this instrumental force and everything. Well, and the same with Abubakar, who came from alone from their arch rivals Porto. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, uh, I have some friends who support Porto, so they were ecstatic about. <laughs> about that sure. <laughs> you know they love seeing benfica fail so you maybe know, that that's also... why like they they, they made it even harder to, to part ways with maybe they, they that gave him sort of extra value for them interesting um, yeah, we just couldn't pay the 10 million buyout cost that, that we yeah. had agreed to unfortunately anyway let's, yeah let's talk about happy moments <laughs> yeah right yeah uh, yeah that, that turned sour fast no yeah that was a, uh, also great yeah, I mean, all of these successes in, in Europe are going to be sort of remembered fondly, I guess. Um, Definitely. All right, well, I'll, I'll stay in that vein then, and uh, I'll go back a little further. And this is a kind of success that we could even still enjoy in theory, although we don't have the singular talent we did then. So I'm going back to, I think, was it 2011? The, so we played Maccabi Tel, Tel Aviv. I think no, it was... that was 11, yeah. That was 2011-12 season, so... Yeah, yeah. It was and it was... 2011. Winter. It was, it was the first half. It was sort of late into the campaign. It was right after we brought in all this sort of talent for the first time. It was the, the Demiroran era. We had high expectations for the team. Uh, but things weren't quite coming through for, the, for us. Like, we were yeah. in contention to go through, but it was still sort of on the... You know, it was our, our performances were going to depend on, on we're going to, uh, sorry, we're going to decide whether we, we went through to the next round or not. Uh, and here we were against Maccabi Tel Aviv, which was supposed to be one of the easier ma- matches in the group. Um, and we were struggling and we struggled throughout the match. Um, and I remember it distinctly because we needed the result and we weren't getting it and it started to feel like inevitable that we weren't going to get the result towards the end just because the, the clock was ticking we weren't quite there but you saw quaresma singularly i'm so, I, I can't believe i'm the one to do this instead of everyone but he literally I was gonna say is this everyone in this guy <laughs> i know <laughs> but he really took the whole club this was this was like the height of the quaresma era for me with the club and why i think in the law in the big picture and everyone knows I was sort of on the hate train for a while towards the end, a bit. But in the big picture, we have to remember like the impact he had with the club. And, and these were the moments he provided. Uh, he really, you saw him take the whole club on his back for a few minutes towards the end. And then ultimately, 
dodge around like four guys and slot the ball home for the game winner. And it was one of the, the most prolific, like singular, exciting moments in, in all of my years as a Beshik Touch fan. And it's funny that it was just sort of a another Europa League campaign rather than it being one of the, the major moments you guys remembered in the Champions League. But it's still, I'll always remember it. And it did help us get through to the knockout stage, etc. You know, it helped sort of start that legacy that we we built in the reputation in Europe that culminated in the oh. great Champions League campaigns you guys are talking about. You guys remember that game? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, I only saw the highlights, but I do remember. Uh, I was like, it was uh, it was the first time everyone ever had a uh, wet pants. <laughs> I was say, I hope I hope I didn't get him too excited the way I so so enthusiastically described his uh, his successes on the pitch. I was like, cool, yeah, calm down, yeah, everyone, so say something quickly. It was a fantastic goal mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Two fantastic goals. <clears throat> He did. It was a uh, he was he was great in throughout the campaign. You know, he also had that uh, in the qualifiers that fantastic volley against Helsinki. I think oh, it was a year before that. That was a year before. Also amazing. That amazing, amazing, amazing Trivela against Pilsen on his debut mm-hmm. uh, as well. Like in Europe, I feel that Koreshma always was able to do something extra. You know, there's lots of moments just from him that pop out, like that assist against Alanya. Uh, the the Russian team, not the Turkish team, you know, with outside of his boot from just a little bit across the halfway line and just, well, it was technically non assist, I guess. Doruk pointed that out. Yeah, that this was is... Maccabi, the first game we won five one. Yeah, the first. Uh, yeah, it's funny. I always uh, confused this yeah, match. Made ahead of it. Uh, but I always confused this uh, Maccabi match with the Helsinki match that you 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 mentioned as well because those were also like somehow very memorable. But um, but but that's something he always did, you know. Even at Porto, at at the champ at the European stage, it feels like Quaresma always could do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he scored more easily. It feels like in Europe, although not in his second stint with us, he didn't actually score a lot, except for penalties. But um, definitely throughout his first stint and his career at Porto, like it's like. He's never been a goal scorer, but in Europe, he could always find that special moment to feel mm-hmm. like. And uh, that does show, I think, that uh, he, he was the type of player that could rise to the occasion. Yeah. And to be, uh, just as a reminder, we did get through after that. That's that, After that match, we, we made it into the second slot behind Stoke. Yeah, we went to, I think... No, Stoke was the group stages. Yeah, no, I'm saying in that group uh, stage, we got through the group stage with that ah, win. Yeah, we beat yeah. we beat Stoke at home three one, mm-hmm. and we lost there due to the ref mm-hmm. being a bastard. I remember that because I remember the you know how Stoke was playing back in those days, like they were playing rugby almost. Yeah. Every, every time they took a throw in, they'd like completely uh, body check the goalkeeper and. Uh, the funny thing is that they would, were doing that throughout the match and the referee never penalized it. And then they won through a penalty where Sivok and a guy both went up for an aerial duel and he like saw something that I don't even know what he saw. And he gave a penalty for that. It was one of the softest penalties I've ever seen. That was, you know, I mean, 
obviously not the, the Craig Thompson, that one was just a fallacy, but this was also kind of a fallacy, especially taken into consideration how lenient he had been throughout the match on their freaking rugby play, and then he gives a penalty for something like that, and that's why we lost in Stoke. I was so angry after that match. Yeah. Uh, so I was really happy that we uh, came back and and uh, kicked our asses in Istanbul yeah. in the return. I remember, didn't, didn't Peter Crouch play for Stoke? Back then? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> um, man, yeah, that's such a. Those are those are good memories nowadays, right? Like, I don't know if we're gonna. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, Win the game here. Evron, give us another one. <laughs> you guys are gonna be really shocked about this one. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let me um, guess. I Parijmas Trivella goal against Fenerbahce or something. Exactly. Oh my god! No. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, well, let's move on to the next one. Next. <laughs> All right, go on. What do you have to say about it? I'll be quick. I just wanted to think of one game, like just one full 90 minutes, which was like good, which I was actually like happy. There was a lot of games I liked, but like, you know, things didn't quite work out for me. That's just the one game I think I just. Maybe because I like Quaresma a little bit, but him scoring those two goals and scoring that Travella, and it was just, that was kind of like the best game I think he had probably since. Best Derby, for sure. Yeah. So, and that was, I think that was like one of the last times we like emphatically won a Derby. Maybe. We had that 3 0 against Galstrai, I think, that yeah. same season, right? I think that was, that, was that before, though? Yeah, that was the first half of the season, and yeah. the Fenerbahce was, was the like second half. The so. last emphatic derby win because they we did concede first on like a garbage it was way oh offside. my god yeah jesus was, christ and then we just came back in the second half and absolutely yeah. that was such a i mean i cannot it was such an obvious offside it's just referees not knowing the rules Ridiculous. yeah crazy moments like when um medel like leaped on the goal line when uh fabri got chipped from like 40 yards out by shenna and he just jumped up, little man, all the way to the crossbar to head the ball off the line. Little man. <laughs> um, <laughs> little man. And then, you know, Vita He's scored like the that. same height as you, dude. No. I'm taller. Wow. How tall are you again? 180, maybe, right? Yeah, I'm 180. He's like okay, 174. Okay, he's like 174. Yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. That's funny. I, I bet he'd kick your ass, though. <laughs> yeah, of course, but, uh, little guy yeah so that was, that was just a lot of good memories from that game i think mm. moments that yeah. stick out for me obviously Great. quite yeah. a good game definitely especially because we did concede such a, a bs goal that was so that it just gave such a feeling of of being wronged and then to win it so emphatically it, it does it does uh, taste great afterwards it's funny so the cup so now we're moving on to the national cup and that and for our best games i think that's going to become a theme too i don't know what about you, Khan? But um, what? Well, so for then, what about you, Khan? What's your biggest? What's your big one? Well, my biggest, my fondest memory is, without a shadow of a doubt, um, our win against Galatasaray in 2003 in the 2002-2003 season. Um, this is the first season I watched every single game except for one. And that was our away game against Diyarbakir, and we lost that. That's the only game we lost all season in the league. 
And I like to think that it was because I wasn't watching. <laughs> uh, but no, my my favorite memory is is the well. I have very fond memories of our win in Galstrai 2, where Ibrahim scored in the 77th minute. Um, that was probably the most stressful match I've ever watched in my life because that was so important. But the home win, which clinched the championship for us, obviously you'll know uh, because of our intro, you know, the Serginat the Champion Lugel did that yep. famous quote from Erjan Taner. Is obviously from that game. Uh, this one was also a stressful match, although I think we had a, a decent. We had a couple of points lead, uh, maybe five points. I want to say five point lead, maybe already at the time, but I might be mistaken. I know we ended the season with an eight point. Yeah, lead. I don't know if we were up that, but I, that far yet. Yeah, I don't remember three point or four I, point lead or something. But yeah, whatever. It was like it was, it the, was good. It was. It was we were ahead. Yeah, it was match day thirty. It was match day thirty three. Galtry had to win, uh, and obviously, had we won, uh, it would have been you know we we were champions. And um, it's uh, it's just such a such a great match. It was also nerve wracking, obviously, because Galtry were a good team at the time. We shouldn't forget that they uh, were coming off. Um, a historic run in Europe. Yeah. Um, they had won the the, 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 the Super Cup, the, the European Super Cup the yeah. year before. Now this was their under glory which, under days, basically, that we interrupted. This was the tail... Yeah, this was the tail end of their glory days. You know, obviously, the big stars had left. Hakan Shukur was gone already. Um, Emre was gone. Okamburuk was gone. Uh, Jardel had also left during the summer. So their big team was like, they were leaning on guys like Umit Karan. Uh, Umit Avala was back, I want to say. I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, because Fatih Terim brought him back. So Umit Avala was back. Ergun, Mondragon, Bülent Korkmaz. Uh, you know, big names for them. Uh, so the tail end of their glory days. Um, but yeah, no, it was just a, a nerve-wracking game. But at the end, uh, we won, obviously, through a magnificent counter-attack. Galtry were... They had to take risks. It was at a time. They had to find a goal. They were taking a lot of risks. And they had a corner, I think. And uh, we, we managed to start a counter-attack. Sergen plays it out wide to Tumer. Uh, which Tumer tells a very funny story about. Uh, you should go and Google that when he tells the story. It's hilarious. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, so Sergen forces Tumer outright to give him the ball back in the center, and then he scores. Uh, and I just remember I was watching that match in a Turkish cafe uh, with my dad at the time, and uh, there was a massive crowd of people uh, one side, uh, all Besiktas fans, one side, all Galtzrai fans, like the, the cafe was divided in two. Basically, there were two big televisions. Um, and I just remember everyone jumping up, going crazy, absolutely bonkers. The Galtzrai fans obviously sitting there, defeated. And I, I dropped to my knees and uh, I, I had tears in my eyes of joy. Of the, I think that was the... I think the only thing that comes close to it is maybe maybe when uh, when when we mm, I don't know I don't know if there's any moment that comes close to that I don't even think there is. You also have your maybe use, the right? Abubakar equalizer against Benfica. 
<laughs> no, if, yeah, obviously it's that. Like I was, how old was I? I was like 14, 15 years old at the time. So this is like the highlight of my developmental years, so to speak. Uh, my my, you know, so like made such a massive Im- impression on me. Uh, and yeah, just great memories, and I cherish those. And every time I see those, I, I regularly go back and watch the highlights of that match, like the extended highlights, which take like half an hour. You can find them on YouTube and. Uh, it, it's just till, still always pr- uh, provokes an emotional response. I, I still get teary-eyed uh, whenever Sergan scores. Just gives me such chills. Even just listening to the intro of our podcast, just you know, those memories will, will always. I, if I go old and senile, I'll still probably be sitting there uh, in an old folks' home, going, "You should get on the champion again." <laughs> nice. <laughs> you know, nice. something like that. Um, yeah, that, that's obviously a nice memory because that's a championship one too. Uh, yeah, follow yeah, that. Tough one to follow. All right, so <laughs> mine, I will follow it. And and, and so generally the, the 2008-2009 season, I think it was, I don't think it was 9-10. Yeah, 2008-2009 was probably my favorite season as a Besiktas fan because we, we won. Uh, with Yusuf, the the errands like that was such an exciting. Yusuf Shivashek. That's weird. I I just it was a title. I mean, it was the reason that, for me it was personal because that was a year that I was going to the Turkish restaurant across the street from my house for every match, and so I knew all okay. the locals. And it wasn't like it was a tough year, and it was kind of tough facing all the yeah. the non Besiktas fans every week. But the team kept coming on, like, throughout, you know? And so every week, it got, like, I had a slightly bigger smile as I'd, as I'd enter the space. And so we actually won the title that year, and that was exceptional in and of itself. Yeah. But the game I'm going to select was actually the cup final. And the reason I loved that so much is because it was a perfect bow on the season. First of all, we won the match 4-2. to two, But it wasn't a close 4-2. to two. It wasn't, it was like, it wasn't like, oh, like... It was two to two, and then we, like we we de- we were up four to one at one point, I think even like it was it was one to one at, at some point, but Bobo yeah. scored twice. So, so, uh, like for 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 Bobo fans, Bobo. Like, that was a huge <laughs> moment. Holoshko had a nice goal at the end, the fourth one that sort of real like people were really celebrating in the stands. I remember distinctly like some of the Panera guys were like crying. That was excellent. Like, um, and I'll tell you why especially. <laughs> that was going into the season. This was Fener's year. They had Aragones as their coach. They brought in Guisa. You know, they they there was all these huge oh, yeah. um, expenditures. They pretty much pulled like a modern day gala thing. And and that's like these are the years I hated Fener like peak. Like I really didn't like them. And so they were they were basically crowned for, in the summer. You know, and and. Uh, so to, to have to beaten them to the title and then also to like smash them into the ground by beating them to the cup and to do it so just decisively. We really just like bossed yeah, them we, around. It wasn't the first time and like in those recent years we had done that a couple of times. I think we had beaten them in the final like two or three times or something. Uh, and they hadn't won the cup since like 1986 or something like that. So it was like 25 yeah. years without winning the cup and they just we yeah, just kept no, smashing it, it, them this was like oh, and, and i'll 
you and Icon were already, this was like SFN days, I think, and we were big Bobo fans. And I'll never, I think mm -hmm. it was the mm -hmm. second goal yeah, yeah. to break the, the deadlock. Uh, and he, it was just a, a stunning, from outside of the box, curled into the, like, it was perfect. I'll never forget it. And just from then on, I was like, this is my guy. Like, <laughs> I'll ride for this guy. I think Bobo can, he'll be a success <laughs> if we let him, you know? But you were late to the Lolo party, well, man. My whole thing was I liked Holosko too. On his debut. And I, I was like, oh, you know, we're going to play with one striker. Right. I don't know which one. But, by, like, the, and this is also another reason why this was a personal favorite was because they played together exceptionally well in the match. And I and I think you had come around to this as well. Mm -hmm. That Like, I think we had come around to the idea that we needed to play both of them at the same time somehow, whether in a two-striker formation with Holosko behind slightly or whatever it was. And um, it... it it looked like that could really pan out if, if they had done it, especially that day. I see. I seem to recall like Holosko was really good the first six months or so, and then he got like a knee injury. I want to say, yeah. but I, I have really, I have this, I have some, uh, like Holosko to me. I like him a lot as you know the personality, and he was really good before his injury but i sort of dislike him as a footballer because in the later years he was so often played as a winger and i just hated him as a winger because he had totally he had agree. no no technique or not the technique necessary to play as a winger he couldn't cross you're right though there was an injury because he was a different yeah. player from when he first arrived Versus that later, you know, the Gangnam era when he was dancing around <laughs> with Pectimek yeah. and stuff. Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And and he and was, it was ridiculous high, ridiculously high paid as well. By the way, he made like two million a year. I know that was, was another problem. Show. Exactly. Speaking of Pectimek, I guess we gave a lot for him. I remember yeah. doing them. Manisab, we gave them five million euros. Koray Afche and Burak Yilmaz, I think. Yeah. And we all know what happened with Burak after that. Like, yeah, his, he found himself. Yeah, yeah like three <laughs> years, two, three years later, he was like the best striker in, in Turkey. You know, scoring like thirty plus goals and shit. Yeah. So, uh, if got only a, uh, got, that was a great deal. Well. But anyway, but that so that was like for, uh, another sort of pinnacle, I guess. Um, the, the 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 pinnacle you you were on obviously was a higher one because it involved the Champions League. But that was a nice time to be alive for Besiktas fans I mean, getting the double and just doing it so nicely <laughs> we really I'll never forget how we smashed Finner in the at the end um so yeah Khan I'm gonna give you the mic to wrap up this segment with a few honorable mention matches because I'm sure you have a few in your bag that you didn't get to mention huh or uh, not, maybe not. Yeah, uh, well, definitely. Yeah, no. The 3 4 against Fenerbahce in the 2004 2005 season in Kadikoy. Yeah. Kodoba gets sent off. Uh, they get a penalty. Panku has to. We already used up all our subs, so Panku has to go in goal. Yep. <laughs> Alex scores from the spot, makes it 3 3. And it was literally one of those matches where the entire match Fener was dominating, but we just kept hitting them. Mm -hmm. uh, like a little bit of luck, maybe. The, the first goal from Tumar was fantastic. It was class. 
John Carew scored a, a simple header while on, on a free kick, but um, the, the the big goal was obviously the, the one at the end from Korai. And uh, I I had that game for the longest time. I had that full duration match on my computer, and I dude, watched... I did too. I think you sent that to me. Or yeah, something. I think I sent it to you. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. So funny. Um, so that I that was I made... such a great game. And and it, yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, that was a great. It game. was fantastic, and it's, I mean, still to this day, is our last winning category. It's a historical match. Um, yeah, very fond memories of that one. Obviously, that season, uh, we won both our games against Fenerbahce that season. Oddly enough, but they didn't. They w- became champions without winning a single derby. I think they lost all the derbies, and they still became champions. <laughs> so it just goes to show you that you don't need to necessarily win a derby match to become champions. Yeah, um, that game in particular, I remember. It was like we really didn't deserve like anything from it necessarily but because mm. we were so in it despite that it felt yeah. so wrong to go a man down and then to have that penalty scored yeah. so it was just like i swear to God, that was like a football gods moment you know it was like justice yeah. demands that pressure touch score somehow <laughs> like this must happen you know yeah. it was perfect it was, oh, i love that i love those moments and then- there's another cup game. I think this was Tumer's last ever match for Besiktas before he ironically went to the opponent. Um, you know, the, the famous match in which he scores the 3-2 winner free Ooh. kick against Fenerbahce. I think it was an at a time. Uh, and, he po- and he runs to the crowd and he points to his tattoo on his arm and his tattoo reads, only God can judge me. <laughs> and I actually have Tumer's shirt from that match. Yeah, so 3 2 win. I think it was the actual shirt. Yeah. Wow. That's like Hall of Fame material, man. I think it's the 2006 2007 season, I want to say. It was also the the Bachikla shirt, you know, the the, the black with white sleeves and the collar with the the strings. Um, But this one was made by Umbro. So Umbro basically just made the exact same shirt Puma made. Only put an Umbro logo on it, and and then it had the Cola Turca sponsor. No, did it? Have, yeah, it did have the Cola Turca sponsor. Um, so yeah, that's a that's a that's a highlight too. I really remember that because that was the high point of Fenerbahce's. Fenerbahce were so such a such a dominant team at the time, like the between two thousand and four and like two thousand and seven, or maybe even two thousand eight. Like they they didn't win the league every. They should have won every single title in that time span because they had Alex who was absolutely amazing, a absolute a phenomenal footballer. Uh, they had a really good team. They had by far the best team in the league. Um, and somehow they only managed to win the title like twice or three times know, in, in yeah. that time span. Alex yeah. should have had like a, a kind of um, one of those dynasties, you know? And like, I feel like we kind of screwed him over in that regard. And I'm kind of happy about that, if I'm gonna be honest. And... <laughs> well, anyway, so that was like it was beating like at the time beating Fenerbahce was pretty big, pretty big deal, especially in the cup. Again, you know, like I mentioned before, because they hadn't won the cup for so long, and you know, Fenerbahce fans would try to downplay like, oh, it's just the Turkish cup. But we all know when the Turkish cup final is being played against a rival, it's not just a Turkish cup; it's a big deal. And uh, them losing it, yeah, that 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 was a pretty 
pretty nice and uh, sweet. So that's definitely another highlight. So those are two Fenerbahce games. You have one Fenerbahce game. That's Everyone a team. I think a we have Fenerbahce a game. Yeah, I think there's a little team here. Yeah, right? I think we clearly <laughs> have a least favorite team. Yeah, um, that's great. Oh well, actually, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't say Fenerbahce are my least favorite team. I think Galatasaray are probably. But uh, well, yeah, no, uh, it's funny how they've taken over. We we always have fun with Fener, you know. I mean, um, honestly, we, that was also the era where we really, I think, hated them the most. Like the whole uh, yeah, Mehmet yeah, Topu sure. stuff. Like, we, you know, we had reason. <laughs> we had reason to like oh, yeah. savor the oh, win. Just the whole way the 2003-2004 season went, the second half of the season. You know, I think there was a lot of resentment towards Fenerbahce for yeah. that, and that lingered for many years. Yeah. Um, I, I think today's generation of fans, they don't have that anymore. That resentment towards Fenerbahce, but that was definitely a real thing back then like you could yeah. compare it i think to the trabzon sport hatred no when i see these younger guys like pitying fener because they're doing so poorly like in the last couple of years i i there's a part of me that's like uh you're a child of the summer <laughs> you know like you you don't know what the winter yeah. is like yeah yeah winter definitely, is coming definitely. um all right let's move on because we do have a little bit more news to cover here and uh, we're running a little bit so um there's some excitement, actually, some something brewing in the transfer mill. And it should, you know, logically, if we were being perfectly uh, rational here, not be too exciting insofar as it's not really like the season's not over, transfer window's not open, like nothing can actually really happen here. But there is some news. Uh, Evron, our trusted reporter, uh, what do you have to say about it? <laughs> Assuming we're referring to uh, the goalkeeper transfer. Uh -huh. um, we brought it up at the end of last episode, kind of like on a whim. It's kind of like before the episode started, we didn't really think it was a big deal. And then maybe we, uh, we, we broke it. We broke the news, everyone. We're the newsbreaker. Yeah. And then we just got a message saying maybe it actually happened, Alvaro Montero. Um, and since then, the reports have only gotten stronger. And not from Taco, not from Photomatch, from actual. Colombian sources, which is unusual. Usually, you know, it's according to this Turkish source, this is a exclusive from a Colombian source, Marca Colombia. Um, so they said, like, according to them, there's about like a they think it's like a 70% chance it'll happen because just logistically, it's, season's not over, transfer window's not open, stuff like that. But they're saying that he wants to come, we want him. I mean, the financials have not been mentioned, so I don't know. What that is, I think he has one year left on his contract, so hopefully it wouldn't be too expensive by how broke we are. But um, and then since that report has come out, there's been a couple more reports. Uh, CNN Turk said the deal's already done. Another Colombian source says that is pretty close. So um, yeah, so we might actually have a different goalie than Volkan Babajan or Sinan Bolat. And more importantly, I think also, like, these are always usually some indicators, too. The players started following Besiktas on Instagram and yeah. stuff like that. And, I mean, if anything, that does say that there's something to these rumors, you know? Like, he's not going to do that. Just, you know, well, maybe he is. Maybe his agent told him, hey, look, follow Besiktas and maybe they'll stir up yeah, some interest in you. Maybe you'll stir some interest, maybe you'll get some followers, but yeah. I think it, it does usually indicate that there's something. I have two waves of thinking on this. One is that it's all bull. <laughs> and so far as like they're using Besiktas as the sort of spring springboard 
for rumors that we've sort of been for a number of teams historically in the last few years. It's a possibility, and so yeah, you know, now they're just being becoming more savvy about it. Like, oh yeah, you know, like sprinkle it around a few sources here. You know, follow them on Instagram. I mean, like even us putting it in our uh, podcast and then like tweeting his name with Besiktas, like it it all feeds into the the narrative they would want to build, right? To bring up his price for whoever he might really be going to. On the other hand. There's a historical connection, right? We've had Colombia's second string national team keeper before on, in, our, in our team. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? Well, Cordoba was second a backup string? from Mondragon by the end. No! By the end, wasn't he? <laughs> no! Or was it the other way? Mondragon was, Mondragon was his backup, oh man. Oh, my God. I'm doing a total disservice. Oh, my God. Oh. Well, anyway. Well, here's another thought, too, because Ospina's on the way out, career-wise. So this guy, as the number two, would probably be the heir apparent. So he could be the, the starting keeper then. Even better. So the, the story still works. Um, I can't believe it. I, I had that flipped. I don't know why. I guess because Mondragon's rep is probably bigger. Probably because Mondragon went on for so much yeah, longer. And yeah. he, he played like when he was 40-something for the Colombian national exactly. team. Exactly. That's probably why. But uh, at the time, Cordoba was number one. He should have been. <laughs> uh, interesting, interesting side note. Cordoba's daughter is the goalkeeper for the Colombian national team as well. There you go. That's a good connection. Take that Mondragon. She's the backup, man. Get Mondragon's daughter out of here. Um, I think, what's her name again? Victoria or something? I don't remember. Vanessa. I think it's Vanessa. You should look it up on Instagram. She's a very beautiful lady. And talented if she's a, if she's a good keeper. Yeah, keeper. for sure. Definitely inherited her her dad's skills. Well, so I mean, my thoughts on on the goalkeeper situation are that this could be a nice solution, an under the radar kind of you know kind of what we've been asking for, um, scouting national sides in other continents and pulling a few guys uh, from there that could be caught on the cheap somehow. Um, so that's like it's a good. Um, he's only twenty five. Right? He's only twenty five. I mean, so and, and what I like too is if he's really cheap, which he'd have to be, we could still theoretically get uh, Sinan Bolat or Volkan Babajan as kind of insurance in case he's another Boyko or Karius or whatever you know, twenty five year old, not quite ready for the the big stage, and they'd both theoretically be cheap. Again, theoretically, and, and the price would have to be right. Uh, but so I, I don't like for me, Ersin should kind of be a third string, frankly. Like he's still so young, uh, maybe even loaned out if someone be willing to play him. But um, I have to see him play, I guess, in June to make that final decision. But yeah, sure. But like you certainly need insurance beyond you. You, you don't want to go into a season with Ersin Despinola as your guaranteed number one. Yeah, you 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 need someone you know with some experience there. But uh, then the question is, how much fate are you going to put in Ersin? I don't necessarily agree with the whole uh, get. Well, ideally, you know, you could get two goalkeepers, but the, the financially, I don't think that's the most prudent thing yeah. to do. Probably, you know, because because I mean, if you get this guy, let's say we get Alvaro Montero, uh, you know, realistically, like the bare minimum he'd sign for is probably half a million, probably 
you know, a little bit north of that. I was gonna um, say probably something like seven hundred K or something. I'm like it's realistic. And if you sign Sinan Bolat, you're probably paying somewhere between one to one and a half million Ooh. a year. Yeah, mm. I asked yeah, I definitely think that he would be looking for. I mean, look, he, he opted not to resign with Antwerp. He was a very big. He's a very big deal there. I am sure they were willing to offer him a lot of money. Um, obviously, in Belgium, you pay a lot more taxes than you do in, in Turkey. Like it's forty six compared to fifteen percent. But still, I, I definitely think that he was offered a good deal. Uh, there's also interest from Anderlecht, so uh, you know his price. He won't be cheap. You know he's not mm. gonna sign for for seven hundred k. I don't believe that. So uh, I think if you're gonna sign both, then you're basically signing up. A, you know, I think you'll need to count roughly you know two million a year for the two. And that feels like a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. Especially yeah. just for like an insurance. For a project, yeah. we're not at that plus, stage of our yeah. Plus, I mean, I don't think either would be very much interested in joining. Like conditionally, yeah. yeah. I think both of those players would only want to come if they had some. You know, you're never gonna have guarantees, like hard guarantees, but you want to have yeah. the prospect. Of, I'm gonna be number one, and then sure. it's up to the number two especially, to try and. Especially if this kid's trying to crack into the starting lineup of his national team or whatever. Like, yeah. if, if this is his move to Europe, then yeah, he wants to land somewhere where he's playing and making a name for himself in theory. So, Definitely. yeah, no, that all makes sense. But I mean, so who do you want then, guys? Khan, what do you? I'll let you go first. Who would you prefer? The unknown a, but younger guy, or the... uh, I've been, I've been a, fan, a fan, a big fan of Sinan Bolat for a very long time. Ever since he played for Standard, uh, won two Belgian titles with them. He played a very big part in, especially the second title. I want to say where we had pl like playoffs. Uh, basically, there was a execo at the end of the season. Anderlecht and Standard had the exact same points. Uh, all the nominators were pretty much the same, so they had to play two matches uh to decide the title and he uh, and he played a very big role in that um he was such a fantastic goalkeeper at standard he radiated confidence he was a leader at the back all that good stuff um then he went to uh to porto i think uh then ended up uh at uh, at kaiseri was decent there then galtry snapped him up uh, on loan, I want to say from Porto for death, uh, too, right? for yeah, because obviously they had Muslera, but then whenever he played there, um, he obviously he didn't make a great impression. He was on a big contract as well. I think he was making like one and a half million a year as a, as a reserve goalkeeper, uh, and that just made like that, that that didn't leave a fantastic impression in Turkey on him. It felt like he kind of fell through uh, a little bit there. Yeah. Um, I also think that that. That experience at Galatasaray um, marked him a little bit for the national team. Like he was never going to be the number one after that. I want to say, uh, even though technically for a very brief period he was, at least in his in his eyes. Um, but I think that kind of put a negative stigma on him in Turkey because when I speak to anyone, you know, Turkish football fans, when the t subject is Sinan Bolat, they don't have a very high opinion of him. Whereas if you look in Belgium, like he is very highly regarded, like it, to the extent that the fact that he didn't win goalkeeper of the year every single year for the past three years is seen as a travesty. 
Like he is seen as the singular best goalkeeper of the last couple of years by many people. I mean, so Khan, look, obviously you'll know this better than I, but I said this on air. And so I want to run it by you. I still feel like as much as you can ever say this about someone in their thirties, uh, a professional athlete, I still feel like there's a bit of a gem to be unearthed in him that he still has like, you know, you can still buy him low and not necessarily sell him high because of his age, but I mean, his value is free. His value could really increase. I feel like he has enough talent that with a slightly bigger platform, he could really show something. Now, whether we provide that platform or not, that's another question. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I really do feel like he has it in him to be, um, to like rise up to uh, a scenario, to a to a situation. Yeah. I think there's a couple of important factors, though. I think if you're gonna put a goalkeeper in a shooting range. You're basically in, in front of our crowd. Um, like it, kind of the same thing that happened with McGregor in 2002, 2013, 2012-13. I felt like McGregor was a, was a fine goalkeeper. Uh, and he got a lot of criticism unfairly because at the end of the season, he conceded 55 goals in a single season. That's a lot, obviously. Uh, I, I feel that our toxic fan base is not going to be able to differentiate from... Teams, oh, it's yeah, actually the... Yeah. No, yeah, and I, I feel like, you know, whenever one thing that has to be said, Sinan Bolt has been a standout performer for at both at Standard and at Antwerp, but what has to be said as well is that they had coaches, Laszlo Belloni, that hammered defensive organizations, so he always did have a reliable line in front of him. You need to keep in mind at Standard also who he was playing with at the time. You know, guys like uh, Axel Witzel, Marwan Fellaini, Steven De Four. Uh, at the back, uh, the the American international uh, on Onyewu. Oh yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, Onyewu was there. They had a really good back line. They had a fantastic team at the time, and in that team, he still stood out, which is positive. But at the same time, because he had to make those couple of saves like big saves once in a while here like one two saves match you know it's he wasn't in a constant shooting range uh, i think if, if if you look at carius for example like i think he he faces more shots than he should be facing yeah. i think the the, the the defense was was allowing too many scoring opportunities at times obviously he wasn't saving everything he had to save either well and like we said no goal too, the back that yeah. central midfield the, the for so long mm -hmm. the lack of someone putting pressure on their attack was providing opportunities that were yeah. not necessary and as as a goalkeeper at the end of the day you're going to be um you're going to be looked at how many goals do you concede yeah you can be putting in good look at Serkan Krintle for example like he's making a bunch of saves every match and at Konya that's fine you know and he's highly regarded but if you put him at Besiktas yeah and he concedes goals it doesn't matter you know people are going to form their opinions now the thing with Silan Bolt I think uh, I think he's probably gonna have a chip on the shoulder if he would end up coming to Bishtesh I think he would definitely have a chip on his shoulder because of how uh, his adventure at Galatasaray went uh, I think he's going to want to prove himself I definitely still he I definitely think he is hungry um, I also think it's gonna be positive if, if he would come it would not be on a massive contract uh, so I don't think he's going to get uh, necessarily um, complacent because I do believe that in his mind 
uh, he thinks that, and I think it's true, if he can become uh, a star goalkeeper for Besiktas, that he has a real shot at being number one for Turkey. And I think it's yeah, true. There's no reason to say otherwise. Yeah, strong competition for Turkey, though. He has strong competition. He has strong competition. But Urjan's still young enough that you could still... I, I could see them being like, all right, well, you're the number two. Learn under this guy. Look how well he's playing right he now. He has you strong know, competition. Like, but if you're number one for Besiktas Fenerbahce or Galatasaray, that is that would that that's going to give him a head uh, that's that would give him a step up on for example Mert for sure because mm-hmm. Mert has no hobby behind him. Yeah. No, no, media. I'm, I'm fully in agreement with you there. Anyway, um, uh, so, so your vote really sounds good. like it's Bolas. No, no, I'm just trying to paint a picture here. I think that Sian Bolas would come in with a chip on his shoulder and I believe he would give it his all. But at the same time, given how his you know his career has gone outside of Belgium. I don't think he's a guarantee for success whatsoever. I, I, you know, like I said, I'm a big fan of his performances within Belgium, but at Porto he never really got a really good look. Um, you know, at at Kayseri he was good, but you know, not not amazing, not stellar. Um, and then at Galatasaray, obviously that was a flop for him. So I I have my doubts, you know, because I do think that the, but i have this doubt about montero too because i don't believe that we are a nurturing environment for a new goalkeeper to come in to gain confidence and to establish himself i just i just think we have so we, we are too toxic right now i yeah, think I anything yeah i don't i, I think any anyone but for example Ersin, because he's from our own academy anyone else is going to get like correct two three <laughs> matches and if they fuck up once in those two three matches they're all they're like oh this guy isn't good enough rum, garbage rum, rum. yeah no. you know i mean so, one side note about alvaro montero is that he is six foot seven and i don't know uh what that what uh everyone what is that and you're 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 good at the metrics <laughs> six foot seven yeah, is two right. meter and two if i'm not mistaken so it's i think he's, he's a large man He's a I look very large one, one, was one meter ninety six, so that would account to yeah. six foot five and a half, I think. This guy, uh, um, we're talking NBA anyway, height, and I'm not even not not one yeah. of the little guys in the league. Like he'd, he'd be like a wing player in the NBA, man. This guy's that's that's serious <laughs> yeah. length we're talking. So I've seen his highlights, and he like just kind of like casually just grabs balls out of the top corner, like makes. I'm not like obviously highlights make you look at your best. Is yeah, he as good as that cat, though, thing. that I showed you before? Cat, <laughs> oh, that cat is fire. Anyone hey, go, if you're on go. Twitter, you've probably seen this cat. Man, there's a keeper out there that's waiting <laughs> to be unearthed. You know, he's got to change the rules to allow felines into the league. Yeah. yeah. As I was saying, I think we all remember Boyko. Mm. And yes. it's a big goalie with a fantastic highlight reel. Yeah. Um, I had such so, high hopes for him. Yeah, so it, I also feel like he got robbed being too, able though. to catch a ball in the top corner because this guy's just huge and like high shots that every other goalie would be like barely fingertipping. He's just casually palming away. It's he's six seven, like he's like six inches taller than Fabri, like far taller than Fabri. But is is he six seven though? Because I when I look at maybe he's I see one nine six on the um, yeah transfer market, but I've also seen people call him six seven regardless. If you look at any picture, he's taller than anyone else in every single like t- like the Columbia team photo, 
everything like that, he just towers above everyone else. So he's like probably okay. six, at short is six five, but let's say six. So uh, six, Thibaut Courtois. Yeah, like, oh, that's a nice one. Manuel, Manuel Neuer. But, um, there's a lot to goalkeeping, decision making, um, yeah. like that mental strength, true. coming out for crosses. If Closing you down ball, your opponent correctly. Yeah, coming allowing out the them to slip it through your legs. Being good with your feet. There's a lot of other yeah. objects other than just being able to get the ball. Definitely. Like a top corner shot, so it depends. But there is South, problems, South American, so I, I tend to, you know, I have this this positive prejudice. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, I mean. South American Especially like, not necessarily like... With your feet. And yeah, not necessarily like Brazilian. Like I don't know how I feel about a Brazilian keeper, but like almost that, like the rest of Brazilian America, keepers right? are always shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the rest of the continent, I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty good about it, uh, which is so yeah, generalized. In general, like, there's a pretty like similar fan culture in South America to Turkey. So exactly. The pressure. Is on, yes. Yes. Here. I'm thinking pressure here. Exactly. Compared to like when Boyko came from Dnipro, so I don't think it was. Yeah. Exactly the same type of very different mentality. I think with Boyko is I think like what we saw from him is that he was lacking some fundamental basics. Like his handling wasn't really great. Um, I don't. I haven't watched like anything from Alvaro Montero, but like one of the more more important things that I watched when I and I'm just gonna ask you, Ron, because you you watch some stuff. The most important things to me when I watch a goalkeeper uh, for the first time is. Does he hold on to the ball or is he punching it all the time? Because holding on to the ball <laughs> tends to indicate that he's very comfortable with the ball. A goalkeeper in his highlight reel, if they're always punching it away, that usually says yeah, that. That was his highlight reel. Was he didn't catch the ball once? That was my biggest. Oh, yeah, no. that's not a good thing. <laughs> that's I mean, they were thing. like, they were hard saves, but they were like. For his size, like yeah, but I mean, if it's if it's a shot, if it's a shot at a goal and he tips it over, that's not the same thing. But I'm talking about is he plucking a ball in the air in the area when, for example, crosses are coming and stuff like that? Is he? There calling? wasn't a single cross shown, so that's why yeah, I have that's, no clue about that. Yeah, that's kind of stuff you need to see before. He was palming shots away. Where? Although I will say, kind of, I think it's typically more intelligent fans who are looking for the ability to control the ball in the air and sort of dummies who are looking for highlights and probably the people who make them yeah. that would just show the acrobatic stuff. So maybe it's good that there's no highlights of crosses because maybe it's just a, a judgment of the person who collected the, the highlights there, you know, curated. He is pretty athletic for his size though. It didn't look like, he didn't look like a, like a slow tank. You know, he would like get off his feet from the ground quickly. So theoretically, he should be able to jump up for crosses. But you know, if he can't time it, then <laughs> yeah. interesting. Well, so I'll wrap up the subject with my thoughts are just that I'm very pleased to say that either way, if it ended up with being seen on Balat, I see everything Khan said. And I think that the chip on the shoulder, I, I actually have a lot of hope for Sinan Balat. I think, it, it, I, like know. I said, as much as you can unearth something in a 30-something-year-old, I feel like there's something there that, that the world's not seen yet. Because, like, his name, I remember when he was young and, like, scoring goals. Remember that? Like, he scored you know, people, a goal in the Champions scored, League. Yeah, very exactly, important goal. He scored goal. twice, I think. He's, um, no, I think he scored he scored one goal a header against FC Twente in the Champions League, yeah, uh, and, and that got uh, Standard to I think the Europa League. 
the third spot they won that with that header, I think. Um, so, yeah. yeah, but like he sort of disappeared from the headlines, but not by merit. Well, because you know he, went I mean? I to feel like... he went to Porto after that, and uh, they had, I think, Helder or something at the time. Yeah, something. Um, and yeah, he just didn't play there, so he was basically rotting away on the bench for two years at Porto. And yeah. pretty much the same thing with Rada today, too. Oh, so, yeah, I yeah, mean, that guy who so anyway. <laughs> Oh, yeah, sweatpants <laughs> guy. Um, but so, yeah, I feel like there's a lot there uh, on either side that could be intriguing and exciting, and I, I could convince myself to be excited for. Um, I'm, I am historically and notoriously very forgiving of keepers. I, I really feel like most, of, mo most goals you concede are on defensive organization and um, you know, obviously there are some, there's such a thing as keeper errors so yeah. I'm not saying keepers are never to blame but um, yeah I mean I, I agree most of all with your point Khan that no matter who comes they could likely get butchered because <laughs> it seems like our fans are in complete um, denial regarding our current situation and the idea that we're not going to be spending big money we're going to be in a sort of rebuilding mode. We're going to be probably cultivating younger talent. We're not going to be making any splashes. So, like, people's expectations generally need to be dampened. And mm -hmm. so, in a way, it's almost like a, making a big splash at a keeper, even if it's not a big financial one, yeah. um, would almost bring too much pressure on them. I, but so whoever it is, I just have to say good luck. One more note, though. I mean, let, let's say, I mean, we haven't seen much of Ersin yet. You know, we've seen him in, in one friendly against Panathinaikos. He looked really good there. Uh, and then apart from that, you know, for Turkey under 19, he's he's built up a name for himself. But let's say we're expecting things from him in the future, right? We, we are hopeful for him in the future. I think if you really are hopeful, if the confidence within the club for his future is big then i think you almost have to go with an older goalkeeper you can't exactly. sign a 25 year old and then you know him mm. if he turns out great then i mean either he's going to be your goalkeeper for five years or something or you're going to sell him and then that would open the door for Erzin. but you know i mean i think that and I think getting an older Turkish goalkeeper, preferably not Volkan Babacan, uh, that wouldn't be bad for for Ersin if they are confident in him. If they think, look, yeah. he's Which not is a big if. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, we, we don't see him in training every day and stuff like that. So that's something that uh, Sergen and his staff need to need to decide and they need to be realistic about it. And if they think, look, this guy can be dish number one in the not so distant future then i think they need to communicate that to the board and then the board needs to get an older goalkeeper in my opinion and not a mid-20s goalkeeper no i totally unless agree. you can um, flip him straight away for like you know well, and i was gonna say yeah the other side is if you feel like you can make some money on montero yeah which could be another uh wait, wait. yeah and, and so yes i think to piggyback on this thing and to wrap wrap up the conversation we probably need to see Ericsson in these last few matches of the season. Um, you know, see what he's got yeah, before we will really if know. If Utku is going to be starting, then yeah. then we know. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, all right, to wrap things up, because we've run on a bit, as we should. We had a fun topic today, but I will very quickly mention that there's talk of Gokan Tore as well as Sinan Gumush. 
Um, nothing concrete and lots of conflicting reports. In fact, the, the Gokan stuff has already been um, pretty much discredited yeah, already. Debunked, yeah. By the so, vice president. So. Exactly, yeah. So, I mean, that's a pretty good source. Uh, but so what I will say, Khan, since you're our um, sort of guest today, do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave with our listeners? I I uh, I would be I'm in, intrigued by the Sinan Gumush rumor. I always kind of liked him at Galstrai. Um My good friend Umut uh, is not a fan be- for some reason. I don't know why. I've had this discussion with him before, but I always felt like when he was playing for Galstrai that he he was always a goal threat and he scored quite a few goals there. And he was a, it was a big sensation in in the, uh, in their youth team as well. Uh, they got him at a, at a relatively young age from. I think Stuttgart. Um, I think like what he, they got him at like 19, and then he went on to score like a ridiculous amount of goals in the youth team. Uh, and then you know he, I think, won like three titles with Galatasaray and stuff like that. Uh, wasn't necessarily a starter. Uh, he had some some good periods there. Um, I I just don't really know um, what, why. He couldn't work out there. I think he had some issues with Fatih Terim as well, maybe. But uh, it's just, it's a player I'd definitely be interested in seeing at, at Besiktas because I think we can pick him up uh, relatively cheap. He's uh, still um, owned by Genoa. Um, and the report from DSH does suggest that they would be paying at least part of his wages. And if we can get a deal like that, uh, we know with, a, with an option to to buy or sign, or just an option to sign permanently, or something. Uh, I, I think that would be interesting. Um, he's a goal-scoring winger. Something we need, I think. We need more sources for our goals. That's something we lack desperately. Uh, the only source of a goal right now that we have, uh, only goal threats we have really is uh, Burak and Boateng if he stays. Uh, maybe to a lesser extent Leic, but there's just too little firepower. I think someone like Sinan Gubush could come in handy for sure. Um, so I'd, I'd be intrigued by that move, especially if the financial situations are, are positive. Uh, I would prefer that over uh, Gokhan because obviously with Gokhan uh, we know that he has uh, issues staying fit. Um, also, some questionable characteristics, which Sinan Gumish also uh, has to an extent. So, uh, but I, I, I bank on somebody who is more capable of staying fit rather than uh, Gokantore. But again, I mean Gokantore, if he comes in for a very low wage, uh, he's free. Obviously, only signed a one-year deal at Malatya. Uh, if he comes in at say, I don't know, four five hundred k, I wouldn't say no to that either. Uh, you know, worth, worth a gamble if it's a small gamble, but he's not worth worth a big risk anymore. Yeah, I mean, along the lines of Sinan Bolat, I think there's more to unearth despite his age. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll lastly add that you can never go wrong adding a Sinan to your team. So, uh, <laughs> pull the trigger! Um, Biggest mistake right. I ever made. <laughs> uh, Evron, you cannot agree. Uh, all right, guys. It was a pleasure yeah, I, I doing mean, this with you. Oh, now we just need an Evron. You would, wouldn't you? We already, ha- we already have a Khan, so uh, you know he's still in the youth team. But you know, we, we he, he could be something. He's scoring a lot of goals for the under nine. Almost Khan, yeah. 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 What the hell? Um, yeah. Well, so Evron, any parting shots for you? No, um, 
I just hope we make good transfers, and I hope if we do restart in June, it goes well. That's about it. Wait, quickly, yeah. Montero or Bolat? One or the other, quick. Gun to your uh, head. New, new is always better, as Yusuf likes to say. Oh, <laughs> we got Montero let's not forget, mode. Let's not forget, <laughs> Sinan Bolat has a pizza named after him. That is Man, an important you can't, you can't thing. There. The Bolat pizza at the Euro 2000 and two kebab here in, 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 in Brecht, in St. Lena's where I live, which is owned and uh, run by Sinan Bola's brother. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. It's literally, it's literally like a kilometer from my doorstep. Uh, so, oh. you know. Worst case, we have a shirt sponsor to rival Terra Pizza. So that's, <laughs> that's, that's the perfect note to leave this thing. I do, of course, have to say one final thing. Go, go Brexit Let's go, folks. The best. The best. The best. The best. And the fan favorite co-host. Not this plastic, Evron. Your shout to our medical workers. I'm and kind to your wife too. Uh, we all bow in gratitude to these amazing workers who are keeping us all alive. Uh, stay safe, everyone. Uh, well done, guys. <laughs> that was good. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.